What's up? How about this, listeners? Welcome to yet another episode of How About This, and this one is an absolute blast. This is a long episode, folks, so be sure to strap in because you're going to be in the seat listening to this for quite some time because we have a wonderful guest on this show this week. Mr. Charlie Rivera of U.S. Comics joins us this week as we talk about one of our absolute favorite franchises of all time, and that is Ghostbusters. We hope you have an amazing time listening to this. This was so much fun to listen back to and edit, and we think you're really going to enjoy this one. So, who are you going to call? What's up, Internet? And welcome to yet another episode of How About This? You know what this show is about. We make fantasy pitches for some of your favorite brands and some of your favorite properties. And today, do we have one of my absolute favorite properties of all time? For all of those kids of the 80s and 90s, this is one of the most recognizable brands, one of the most recognizable logos, one of the most fun films and fun film franchises I think ever. It's all over the place. But before we get into that, we have to introduce the gatekeeper, the key master. He collects spores, molds, and fungus. Do Ray Jordan Hugh. What is up, Jordan Hugh? How is it going, my friend, my co-host, and my best bud of all time? Mike, I just want to ask you, are you a god? Mike, when someone <laughs> asks you if you're a god, you say yes. I'm so sorry, but it just popped in there. I have a question before we really get into things. Am I allowed to say Bustin makes me feel good? on this podcast or like am i going to get like the cancel hammer for that how does that work i'm going to tell you this right now it's already been said and i'm not going to edit that out so yeah damn it all right okay. yeah and just you know just let you know huey lewis did not write the theme song to this movie but he definitely sued for it and he won he and won he won that, yeah, he definitely that was a did. successful suit <laughs> exactly so if you got if you people if if all y'all out there in the internet land don't know what we're talking about today yet. We're talking about the hit film, sci-fi, horror comedy franchise, The Ghostbusters, or just Ghostbusters, because originally the original script said it was The Ghostbusters, and then there was another Ghostbusters show, so then it was almost Ghostbreakers. We're not going to get into that. And a lot of debate as to whether or not Ghostbusters is one word or two, and it's depending on your source... There's a space sometimes, and it really throws me off. I don't like that. Uh, I think it's one word. I usually do it as one word, but don't they sometimes put the no? They, they the symbols usually like in one of the is in the O or something like that. I don't know. I haven't. You know looked what? At it. It, we actually we have an expert on with us today that I feel like we should introduce that I think can can solve this conundrum for us. Yes, yes, we do have an expert, and he is an expert in many things. From my opinion, this is a, a person that I've been able to share the podcast space with before. An incredibly talented individual. Individual, the COO, am I correct? The COO of US Comics and co-host of the US Comics cast, Mr. Charlie Rivera. Charlie, welcome aboard. Welcome and did to the you, show. And did you bring your PKE meter? Oh, you! I brought it all. I got the Proton Pack next to me. I got a Lego firehouse behind me. Guys, I got to be honest. I've been friends with you for a while. I'm a little starstruck after hearing some of the episodes. I'm like, it's a different energy. I'm like, Mike's in charge of everything. Jordan's the co-host. I'm like in a different stadium. I'm super excited to be here. I'm even more excited to talk Ghostbusters because it's freaking Ghostbusters. We couldn't yeah. think of a better person to do it. I know. To have we on. Were, we I'd were... hope not. 
<laughs> we, we were sitting around and we were like, all right, let's, you know, let's come up with like the next set of episodes and the properties we would love to discuss. And we realized, of course, that Ghostbusters was huge and we needed somebody. And I was like, I think I'm pretty sure our, our friend Charlie, like, is literally a Ghostbuster. Like, he's actually a Ghostbuster because that is a thing you can do. Yes. So we, want, we definitely want you to talk about that as well. Yeah. Anytime you could do charity and justify spending thousands of dollars for stuff that's going to lay around <laughs> your house, it is a good charity work to do yeah the long island ghostbusters represent oh man how do you Excellent. get into that club because i would love to be a ghostbuster i know the treasurer i'll, I'll oh. put in i'll put in a good word for you you know what they and say so oh i'm sorry go ahead mike you know what they say follow the money so <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, charlie you also and I, I don't mean to put you on the spot so early in the show but like you own like professional ghostbusting gear like movie quality property don't you yeah, I, uh, you know, the, the community is a very interesting one because there are different levels. It all counts. It's not like the 501st has very strict guidelines to be a stormtrooper or to be an imperial or to be a rebel. There's like check boxes you can only, Ghostbusters is a lot more free flowing. Sony has always embraced the community. Uh, there are those of us that do it as a as a full hobby. Then there are those of us that do it for, for charity work. And we go hard. The replica proton pack I have, I have in the last few years made a ton of changes to, but I did buy it from an incredible creator, Carnivorous Creations, uh, built my shell and kind of pieced it together for me. Uh, everything else has either been kind of Halloween toys in essence that we've taken apart and adjusted to make more movie accurate pretty insane what what you can take walmart sells traps for 20 dollars if you spend 100 bucks on it that thing looks like a movie prop wow. and will smoke and it, it's it's it gets insane it gets I remember, insane i remember walking out of new york comic-con one year not even that long ago it might have been four or five years ago and i had just done some cosplay like the day before so like it was my day in casual clothes and i was just taking pictures of all the good cosplay so i think i was actually like leaving the convention like early that day and i heard someone like on the crosswalk next to me just being like oh my god look at those guys and I looked up and sure enough, it's like, it's Charlie and a whole bunch of like full regalia Ghostbusters, like down to like the fucking knee pads, just like had it all. And I was like, oh my God, that's my friend. Look at this crew. And they looked professional. They looked honestly, they looked better than the real Ghostbusters. <laughs> what I, what I love most about Ghostbusters, not that we're at that part yet, but everyone like could be a Ghostbuster. Yeah. Bill Murray and the gang weren't exactly demigods. You don't have to look like Henry Cavill to right. be a Ghostbuster. You just need kind of a khaki onesie. But yeah. you could. <laughs> but you could. <laughs> I, I know plenty of gorgeous people who cosplay as Ghostbusters. Uh, and, and it's it's really, really interesting because it's such a striking look. It is very similar to a superhero costume. So when it's done right, or even when it's only done kind of right, uh, you you get you get the message really across. It's I love, I just love that. I love that so much, and I love that that's that, that's a thing you could do. And I'll be writing you a, a very um, eager email in the near future. As obviously today we're going to talk about Ghostbusters. It's a, it's a franchise that's been around since I believe 1984 is when the first movie came out. Uh, there was a sequel movie in 1989. There's a cartoon called The Real Ghostbusters. There's a Ghostbusters movie that was made in, in 2016. And there's a new Ghostbusters coming out later this year in 2021. And there was also Ghostbusters Extreme, which kind of tried to latch on to that late 90s, early 2000s Mountain Dew Dorito crowd and Saturday morning for kids TV kind of feel. So there's been a lot of Ghostbusters stuff. There's been some great comic books. So Ghostbusters I was going to say, I, 88 Miles Per Hour Studios was putting out that comic 
comic for for quite a while and actually some of it was like great it was actually yeah. like a really good book actually in at my office we have we had a, an exclusive cover and we have the pencils hanging up in the office and it looks like like ghost riders almost driving like this phantom motorcycle oh, cool. over like one of the covers and there's all these it's amazing with the stay puff marshmallow man i'll take a picture i'll send it to you guys it's amazing yeah, and the comic book is great the comic book's awesome it's yeah idw has the license right now i think yes. and okay. their book has been incredible they've They've tied the universes together, the 2016, the cartoon, the extreme. They had like a big multiverse. Everyone has, I guess. But they did a big multiverse run. And it was incredible. I love that. And Ghostbusters is definitely one of those franchises that can do something like that. I think it's got enough love. And I think there's some really creative stuff you can do with it. But before we start talking about pitches and all that jazz, we're obviously all big fans of the Ghostbusters. So this is always the part in the show that we like to talk about kind of how the Ghostbusters, our experience with the franchise, our experience with the property and what it kind of means to us. So Charlie, you're the guest, you're the expert. Tell us a little bit about it. You know, so Ghostbusters came out the year before I was born, but Ghostbusters fever ran for a long time. The movie led to the real Ghostbusters and that was my real first introduction to Ghostbusters. I don't remember being excited about the first episode. I don't remember the first time I actively decided to watch Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters is the is one of two franchises that I've always just known existed. Yeah. Ghostbusters and Ninja Turtles are part of what makes a Charlie. There is no me without the cartoon version of Peter Venkman. Uh, you know, I borrowed so much from this idea. Early on, anyone can be, you know, a superhero. It was so appealing. I already knew about Superman and Batman and Green Lantern. But, you know, we're talking about an alien. We're talking about some great chemical accidents. Or we're talking about a lot of money. If we're talking Batman, the Ghostbusters were kind of just like especially Winston, was straight up just a guy. Yeah. He applied for a job. So when I had the cartoon under my belt, my brother, who was always somewhat irresponsible with kind of showing me things before I should probably see it, uh, nightmares about Freddy Krueger aside, for the most part, it worked <laughs> out. Uh, so when he sat me down to be like, you want to see like the real uh, Ghostbusters, pun intended, and sat me down it was, I watched a cartoon come to life. I didn't, I didn't understand the order was the opposite. Yeah. I didn't, it didn't matter to me that the, suddenly it was real and tangible and, oh, Slimer's a bad guy in this one. That's awesome. And it was just the biggest thing to me growing up. My little blue plastic proton pack, the toys, the Ecto-1. It all was just, these are regular guys in extraordinary situations, treating it like taking out the trash. <laughs> and along the way, it, it was everything to me. I love Superman. I love Nightwing. I love Daredevil. I can't be them. A Ghostbuster, I throw on my, my feety pajamas, my proton pack. <laughs> I was halfway there, baby. <laughs> I love that. I love Absolutely. that. And I think that is something magical about the Ghostbusters is that it's like an every person kind of thing. And you got you hit on that when you were talking about like with your Ghostbusters group, uh, anyone could be a Ghostbuster. And that's really great. They're, they're essentially high tech exterminators, right? For vermin, for 
spectral and ectoplasmic based vermin. We all probably have similar experiences how we grew up with the Ghostbusters. But Jordan, what about you, man? How about you? You know, I think my experience is pretty similar to Charlie's experience. I think the cartoon came first for me because I wasn't really old enough to have seen the movie or it wasn't really in my like atmosphere of awareness. I will say that having seen the cartoon first, I remember I had to get glasses when I was four which is like quite an early age to have glasses. And I remember my mom kind of selling it to me like, well, your favorite Ghostbuster, Egon, he wears glasses. Don't you want to be like Egon? And I was like, yeah, I, I do. <laughs> and that was like, that made it cool. And then at recess, like the next year, like kindergarten and stuff, like I was Egon at recess because I was like the only kid that was wearing glasses in kindergarten at the time. You know, so that, that was like my first, first introduction. When I got a little older, I saw the first movie and then, of course, the second, and they just blew me away. I don't think I, I had loved a live action movie that much, maybe ever. I, I In my very early recollection, that might be the first live action movie that I really loved. And I've taken that love uh, and fierce loyalty to the Ghostbusters brand into my 30s, obviously. Now I'm, now I'm the big grown man child that I am, still wearing the big glasses and uh, still thankful to one Egon Spengler for making it cool. I, it's one of those things where I, I love you brought up that you were the Egon. I totally understand where you're coming from with that. And when you were at recess, you know, like Charlie was saying, you were either playing Ninja Turtles or Ghostbusters. So you either had to find your Ghostbuster persona. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I'm a very proud Ray as the giant excitable child that I'm, oh, I am always have been or Michelangelo. So like that's always my two go-tos. Wow. So we're just short uh, a Winston on this podcast. Yeah, right? we definitely we've got We've got a Peter. And we've got, I'll be Egon and you could be Ray. We need yeah, Winston. We need, we need Winston. the soul. We need the soul, man. We need the soul of the Ghostbusters. We do need we do need some soul. Uh, my experience with Ghostbusters is like you guys, I remember seeing the movie when I was young, probably too young. Uh, and my memory is usually pretty good. Um, but I remember probably seeing the first movie when I was probably about four, four years old while my mom, my mom was was actually pregnant with my younger brother. And uh, we were staying at my, my grandparents' house. My grandparents had a house in Queens and uh, my mom was in and out of the hospital like crazy. So we, I watched a lot of movies uh, at that point in time and Ghostbusters was everywhere. And I remember watching Ghostbusters at, in, in the upstairs of my, my grandmother's house in Queens that they owned and totally being all about it. And that being like one of the few movies that I always watched, like back to back to back is just Ghostbusters all the time. And the cartoon was, was, was life-changing. I mean, that was it. That was so good. So many action figures, so many toys. I'm lucky enough that my folks, we really didn't throw out a lot of my toys from when I was a kid. My parents really not big on that, but the ones, the toys that my my mom made sure we never got rid of were our Ghostbusters toys. Oh, so yeah. I still have my original Firehouse, my original Ecto-1. I have the Ecto-2, wow. the Ecto-3. Worth some cash. Yeah. I'm, still- I'm so jealous that you avoided spending the hundreds of dollars I needed to, not- to replace. <laughs> let's, let's be, let's be honest here a lot of them are beat up and broken and have paint chips removed and chewed on and you know i have the toilet and the toilet seats like kind of falling off and uh and i'm missing some pieces here or there but uh, i definitely have like the the ecto-1 i think i have the ecto-2 and ecto-3 i have the helicopter i've got like everything uh in a bin somewhere in storage but yeah my, my mom refused to let us get rid of it. she goes you guys can get rid of whatever you want we're keeping the ghostbuster stuff because smart think, lady she, i think she just really liked it and she really liked that we loved it and that was something that was just whatever but i will buy i legit and jordan knows this about me i will buy stay puff marshmallow man anything <laughs> anything it's i true. love the he stay puff marshmallow man yeah I love the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. I spent like the money on the Stay Puft Marshmallows when they put those out in Think Geek a handful of years ago to the point of my finest movie theater moment 
was not during a Ghostbusters movie, but I had a legitimate reaction. That's the one I have. I have that one still. I have a, I had a legitimate movie theater reaction during the 40-year-old virgin when they show him selling his toys and one of the toys they show is the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. And I legitimately, and Jordan was there, screamed out in the theater, no, don't sell Stay Puft. And the place- You gotta laugh, Bananas, yeah. like everyone <laughs> left because everyone knew. You don't get rid of Stay Puft, come on. Uh, he's royalty. He's royalty. He's royalty. I mean, listen. He's royalty. Uh, to to this day, like I, I uh, and and actually, the last time I watched Ghostbusters was fairly. He's a sailor. He knows how to party. He knows how to party. <laughs> the last time I watched the original Ghostbusters movie was uh, the night before my band, Bad Mary, went on our tour of Japan. Amanda and I, my wife, decided that we weren't going to sleep that night because we had to. We were going to try to sleep on the plane, and we were just going to watch Ghostbusters till three in the morning until we had to go drive to the airport. So that's what we did. So it's one of those things where I've definitely have inspired uh, Amanda to watch more Ghostbusters as well. And it's just such a beautiful franchise. I love the movies. I love the, I love the cartoon. I love the characters. The video game's good. The comics are great. Ghostbusters has obviously hit some stumbles at some point with how the franchise was handled. And before we get into our pitches, because I think a lot of times where our pitch ideas come from, it's not, they don't come from disdain for what the franchise has become what the franchise is, but we're always, I feel at least, Jordan, you might want to disagree with me here, but I always feel like we're I looking. Will. Oh, thank you. I, I'm, I always feel that we're looking towards how we can improve upon this and how, what can be done to take the mistakes that have been made with Ghostbusters and build upon how to actually make them great to get back to the core of what they are. So Charlie. Oh, uh, no, I, I don't disagree with that. That's quite accurate. You know, so it's like, <laughs> I don't want to like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not here to like bash as much as I am here to go, well, let's see how they do if they do it this way. So Charlie, what kind of things do you feel gets, they get wrong about Ghostbusters? Well, I just, Lightning quick, one thing I I think came out of the 2016 movie specifically was we figured out what Ghostbusters is and what it's not. Because no one's desire is to make a bad anything. No, of course. Batman and Robin started as like, what if Batman and Robin fight bad guys and Poison Ivy will be there? So I think what... I, 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 <laughs> oh, boy. So I think the way you can go wrong pretty easily. If that was the question, I feel like I've now forgotten it. I think it's about, that's about right. You make the, up your own question. <laughs> yeah, just forget it. Sorry. That was my fault. This, uh, this show has no format. <laughs> fuck it. The, the, <laughs> Do it live. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the, the, what, what can go South very easily is misunderstanding what the movie is. The movie is not an action adventure. It is not a slapstick comedy. It is both. And it's neither. And understanding Ghostbusters has been difficult since Ghostbusters 2. That lightning in a bottle that is Ghostbusters is arguably impossible to duplicate. I happen to love Ghostbusters 2. It's a family version of Ghostbusters. The cartoon is beloved for me, but it's five excellent seasons of cartoon goodness. And then a couple seasons of just too much. It's yeah. too slapsticky. It's too like, isn't slime gross? Stop it. This is a franchise that works for kids when it works for adults and never the other way around. Yeah. So the things I, I love about Ghostbusters is that subtlety. It is the intelligence. It is real performances put in an extraordinary kind of situation. So mm -hmm. it's a very hard line 
to walk something like 2016 or something even like the rebooted cartoon you miss you miss the formula a little bit it, it, it's it's going to fail more often than succeed yeah i feel like you could really turn it into schlock pretty quickly because you're not you're not grasping the like you're saying i think it's a really good point i think it's a great point where you're saying that these are these are serious serious performances about absurdity i think that the the problems they face are really are are real and because it's a sci-fi comedy starring regular people i think sometimes we we have the tendency to kind of want to amp it up to 11 and give us something that's way bigger than it needs to be like the ghostbusters in the original movie are, are scared of stay puffed they're terrified that whole time they're not like yeah i'm gonna just liquefy everything with my proton pack it is not fast and furious it uh, and- is very clearly no one's ever no one's ever like the time to just jump on top of stay puff punch him in his mushy face <laughs> never does that scene happen it's kind of slow and and scared and supposed to fast and furious if you know what i mean <laughs> it's like almost an opposite of of emotions in terms of like that type of stuff. Jordan, what about you, man? You're you you have a great handle on what the Ghostbusters should be. And I've always felt that way. Uh, you know, call it fate, call it luck, call it karma. I believe everything happens for a reason. I think Charlie was was so right when he said that that first movie is lightning in a bottle and just trying to recapture exactly that is sort of foolish. I agree with Charlie. I don't think even Ghostbusters 2 really gets it. Part of that is no one's fault. Part of that is the genre of film we are attempting to make when we try to emulate that first film doesn't really exist anymore. Like you can't really make it. That specific mold, I've heard it referred to as the 80s special effects comedy. Yeah. That doesn't just designate a certain swath of films. It is in fact unto itself a style of film. Uh, And you had a couple that came out after the 80s. I would actually consider like the last 80s special effects comedy to be like The Frighteners, which is a fairly obscure Michael J. Fox 100%. It's also excellent. Yeah, it's great. Uh, like, and no one has seen it for whatever reason. It, I it's, have. It's, a, it's a great movie, but but like weirdly, Ghostbusters Two almost falls off the ledge of it. Like, it almost almost doesn't grasp it, but it does. I, I think it saves itself in the end. I like I like. It sticks the landing. Yeah, it sticks the landing. These films are like these cheerfully frightening adventures, and the the movies are funny. They're they're overtly funny, but yeah, you're right. They're not slapstick. They're not screwball. The exact tone and flavor of that comedy is really hard to capture. I was, you know. I was, Watching recently a movie called Haunted Honeymoon, which is a, a, a Gene Wilder, Gilda Radner, Dom DeLuise uh, romp. Oh, boy. Uh, which is, you know, it also kind of falls into this you know, cheerfully frightening category. I think, like, the ball starts to roll with, like, Young Frankenstein, which is, of course, paying homage to a whole bunch of earlier horror comedies. And we, we get to Ghostbusters, which is, like, it's at this unique nexus point of old comedy horror and new sci-fi ventures that we can go to, like family films specifically. And yeah, it's it's so hard to recapture that flavor. So I think when we get to our pitches at the end of the show, you're going to see my pitch doesn't even try to recapture that. But addressing, Mike, your question, the pitfalls of these uh, other Ghostbusters incarnations, it, it is in trying to recapture some of that, that they really lose sight of themselves. I actually think there was a lot of good in the 2016 movie. It was so hard to see that because it was so embattled. I'll say it now. I don't, I don't think it was a good film. It's not, not a good movie. I have no desire to really watch it again. But it was like you had to have three debates before you even went to see it and then 16 
after you went. And that's not going to make for enjoyable movie going no matter what, because suddenly this 2016 film was suddenly like you had to like stand for something when you talked about masculinity and femininity and representation and like all the stuff that like, listen, man, it's just supposed to be a comedy with some fucking ghosts, man. You're, what, what's with all this pressure and prestige all of a sudden? It's just, you know, make a fucking movie. Also, um, were the original Ghostbusters like pillars of masculinity at all? No, 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 no. And I'm not even talking about the characters. I know, I'm I know. Like, because men specifically seem to have in their childhood this programmed spot for Ghostbusters specifically. Where I, I, I freely admit it. We all feel the need to defend this movie. As of this podcast, I was seeing someone sort of recently and I found out they didn't like Ghostbusters that much. And that was like, I had to pause. I had to pause. And I was like, we got to pump the brakes on this for a second. I was like, I, I need you to explain to me why you don't really like Ghostbusters. And part of the reason was because it's part of like boys club culture. Yeah. And I had to recognize that for a second. I said, I think this is what the 2016 version was trying to address. They're trying to make something for everybody. But in making something for everybody, they also kind of forgot to like make it good, you know? So I, I think we got kind of hung up there. There are some things I enjoy in that 2016 version, but it's 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 not the script, that's for sure. Um, there was a script? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't really know what was happening there, but I thought I thought the talent in the movie was great. It was cool to see the old actors back again. And they, they did a lot of nice little nods and, and winks to the original films. I think I wanted more than anything, a continuation of the original Ghostbuster story. I certainly would have accepted a new franchise or something like that. They had indicated that such might be possible in the previous films. I was kind of looking at an update. Uh, I was looking for rather an update on those characters, which which we didn't get. But I love characters like Holtzman. I thought stole the movie, which was Kate McKinnon's character. I yeah. love Dr. Dr. Gilbert, who was played by Kristen Wiig. Mm -hmm. uh, there, there was some good stuff in there. And I was like, oh, this could have been such a cool crossover. What it would have been like to see, you know, Ray working with, you know, Gilbert or, or whatever or to bring in Venkman as his celebrity personality, you know, host of the world of the psychic or something like that, rather than a guy who doesn't believe in ghosts. You know, I don't know. I just thought there were some missed opportunities. I, also, I, I think that I think that's it. I think that's really where my gripe comes in. No, I totally get that. And I think the, the point, too, is that like what you said, I think those actresses are awesome picks for Ghostbusters. Like, yeah, I think you can't like that's great. But I do feel the problem is, is that. We've kind of we've kind of addressed this before in a lot of these shows. It's just that like you got a legacy there with the Ghostbusters. It's built into the franchise that there's there's a legacy, there's franchises, there's other characters that can come in and assume the role of Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters are for anyone. Anyone can control the force, anyone can be a Jedi, and then you go and rewrite the movie. Oh, we can't have a Star it, Wars conversation now, Mike. We almost, uh, can I tell you something? We've recorded I don't know how many of these episodes. We almost derail into a Star Wars episode every time we record. Don't, don't, don't every get time me, we record, it's almost a Star Wars episode. Don't, don't get me started. If and I don't, could just if I could just say if you want a prototype of what not to do with any sort of beloved franchise just look at the new star wars yeah <laughs> all the mistakes are there that's well said well kathleen I think what was it kathleen kennedy yeah yeah, yeah. she yeah. owes me money <laughs> <laughs> i happen to like the last jedi um that being said we're not getting into it I know, there's I know, lightsabers in it what's not to like except the story my whole point we can't get into it i'm not going to i'm not going to don't worry about it don't you worry about it. yeah baby so my whole point i'm not getting into it don't worry my point here is that you know i think that ghostbusters needs to needs to address this legacy i think it's something that should be more expansive uh, and i think that's where they get it wrong and like you said ghostbusters the original ghostbusters movie is like a friday night home run night out movie right that is a friday night pizza 
enjoy, get some laughs in there. You know, it's in the vein of like the original Back to the Future. I would even throw Guardians of the Galaxy in that in that vein. Fun science fiction based and and uh, and light horror based with Ghostbusters. Fun comedy movies that are grounded in some form of reality, but are are fun, but not not too goofy or not too screwball. And I think Ghostbusters Two is a great Saturday afternoon feature. That is a that is a, a great movie to watch on a Saturday afternoon. And then after that, you kind of lose what the Ghostbusters are all about, right? You kind of lose that original that original feel. And I don't think it's tied to the original actors. I think it's tied to the mentality you're getting into when you're making the film. And I've obviously, we've all watched the trailer for Afterlife probably a million times because I'm very excited to see more Ghostbusters. But I also feel like that movie and the, what I saw from the trailer, I'm very hopeful because I think the cast is great. I'm very excited by the idea of it. But my problem with this first trailer, and we could touch on this lightly because I don't want to talk too much about Afterlife because it's not out yet. And we really don't know what it's all about. My fear is that it's taking it a little too seriously now. And that's a problem too. So I don't want the new Ghostbusters to fall into that kind of area where, all right, well, now you're taking it too seriously before you were trying to, hey, ho, 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 let's bump up the goofy. Yeah, it's kind of we're looking at sort of the nostalgification of things, right? Yeah, it's kind of giving yeah. everything the Stranger Things treatment, uh, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And of course, you're using actors from Stranger Things. I mean, like when I see Paul Rudd in a Ghostbusters movie, my response is, why is he not one of them? He might be. Yeah, very true. But in his scene, it was a great scene in the trailer. It was a great, mm -hmm. I'm not a scene. It's a great moment in the trailer yeah. where he's like, great replica. Dude, Paul, crank up the Paul Rudd, baby. I know. That man does. We need a Bill Murray. We need that someone who can be the easiest. What's your favorite part of a Paul Rudd movie? The easiest thing to like is the Paul Rudd of it all. What's it? What's a shame is that like, I feel if we went back 10 or 15 years, th that 40 year old Virgin crew would have made great Ghostbusters. You know I, what they would have made a great version of? They would have made a great remake. Yeah, yeah. If you were going to start again, yeah. There's going to be a library ghost, a Slimer, yeah. a Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. That's the crew. Yeah. That crew yeah. would be incredible. You got Paul Rudd, Seth Rogen, even throw like maybe Jonah Hill in there or stuff yeah. like that. But this isn't the pitch yet. But like if we're talking going back like 10 or 15 years back when the 40 year old virgin was coming out and those Judd Apatow movies were really like hitting the ground running. That was a crew, man. That could have been a great a great Ghostbusters thing. But I think we've kind of hit upon what, what they kind of get wrong with Ghostbusters and what we love about Ghostbusters and where we're kind of at odds with that type of thing. So I think now's the time, since we've expressed our feelings about Ghostbusters, let's get into our pitches. And Charlie, since you are the guest of honor, my friends, you should kick us off here and you get to say the magic phrase. How about this? Oh, it Ooh. moved. I'm kind of, I'm feeling it. As you should. I do I do need to throw a couple prefaces out there. Sure. So just uh, as a lifelong Ghostbuster fan, like you guys, I'm sure you have 50 versions. Of course. For this show, it deserves a new version. Okay. So I've had the version that's just an easy sequel. I've had the version that's an e easy, easy-ish remake or reboot. So this is kind of something special for this because I am honored to be here. Secondly, I didn't like necessarily write out jokes or, or memorable lines. However, what I promise you they're there. So I, when I do get to write this script and I do get to make my version of, of Ghostbusters 3, I assure you it'll be funny. It'll be charming. Also, it's a bit much. It's yeah. a bit much, I admit. <laughs> That's so what we're here for. So once again, I'll say, I'll, I'll do it again. 
just for the world to hear, I'll look up to the sky and say, how about this? <laughs> so we start with the Columbia Pictures logo. I know they don't really exist, but we got ownership and we get that whistle from the original flick. Oh yeah. We pan around a statue at Grand Central Station. Boom, boom, boom. We're getting that real fucking Ghostbuster energy. Oh yeah. It's, it's yeah. coming out. We see people burst through the entrance. There's green like light. There's all sorts of great CG happening oh, behind yeah. them. But I promise you, all of our ghosts will be puppets enhanced by CG. It's midday and these people are pouring out. Place was packed. The camera's cutting through fancy, fun, exciting angles. We hear the fancy ass siren of the Ecto-1, the most famous siren, I would argue, of all time. Wow. We see part of the Ecto pull up because we're close up. I want that shot of the logo on the door, the classic logo. But this ain't this ain't your daddy's Ecto. This thing is more akin to 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 Chris Nolan's uh, uh, bat tank. Right? <laughs> you're only seeing a small section of it because but you're seeing it's like fancy angles. The door slides open. Right. This is bad. I want people feeling like what? I came in for Ghostbusters. This is badass. We see like military boots hit the ground. We see black flight suit pant legs. You're not seeing who's in these shots yet, but you're seeing the doors open up in the back. It opens all fancy, like a, like a crazy Lamborghini almost. They're pulling out packs. These packs are our classic beloved proton packs, but they are minty new. They are shiny, fresh paint. We hear, as they throw on the packs, we see that, we hear the Ghostbusters! That whole, um, dude, we're high-fiving each other. Of People course. are going to see parts of this Ecto. They're calling it the Ecto-69. And I just self-high-fiving. Self <laughs> they are so, this is going to be such a cool toy. Nice. So we see the boots, we see everything pulling out. Dude, every bro dude on planet Earth that sees this is going to crush a Red Bull, throw it at the ground, because this is goddamn Ghostbusters. If you're an unimaginative Korean, this is like the paramilitary version of Ghostbusters. So now we cut inside Grand Central Station. People still running. Stuff is flying. We see a couple proton streams. We see what we think is Slimer, but he has like feet. Did Slimer always have feet? Because this Slimer kind of is, he's floating, but it's not Slimer. Is it Slimer? It's kind of Slimer. We hear four people talking all sorts of techno babble. The PKE readings are this. Uh, uh, it's a class three full vote. We're hearing all of it as we see these four people kind of run around. Proton streams blasting. Dude, the Ghostbusters are back and they're Awesome. They're sponsored by Monster Energy and they're just crushing it. The, <laughs> dude, you are welcome, audience at home. This is an adrenaline rush you never a, knew you needed. This is great. I am rock hard right now, by the way. You should know. We pan the camera. So we see the stream, the one stream around our Slimer S ghost, another stream, a third stream. Capture it, capture it. We see a classic proton trap, but it's on stupid. ATV like wheels because it's remote controlled. We see an arm gauntlet. It's all futuristic. -y. They're driving it. The thing is wireless. Pulls up under the ghost. It opens up. Sucks in. We finally see our four Ghostbusters. These badasses. Vin Diesel, <laughs> Catherine Heigl, oh my God. Chris Pratt, and covered head to toe in slime. Oh no, they slimed me. We got Chris Hart. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to your brand new Ghostbusters. 
We cut to outside. We see there's a film crew with them. Oh, this is the cops type reality show oh called Ghostbusters. Very one good. of America's number one reality television shows. We see a, a lovely camera woman and producer. She has the headset on. She's talking to a whole crew. There's drone cameras. They're getting and it cuts to commercial break and it cuts to like, you know, the, later on this episode of Ghostbusters. We see it's a television. We see someone's watching a television and we show three young teens just kind of bored out of their mind. The TV's on in the background. Ladies and gentlemen, these are the real heroes of our film. These three friends that are watching the reality show that is Ghostbusters. All of my cast is going to kind of play their own age relatively. So meet your brand new Ghostbusters. We have Eduardo Rivera. I wonder who he is partially named after, played by... Uh, Sholo uh, Malenduena from Cobra Kai. Oh, yeah. Miguel. Yeah, Miguel. I love him. He is a good kid. Big heart. Funny. Not like Peter Venkman, but clearly jokes around to compensate for something. Maybe he feels like a, a latchkey kid or something like that. He's you. He's me. Yeah. He's he's us. Meet Layla Jack uh, Jackson, played by Marseille Martin from Blackish. She's the, the little girl from Blackish. Very funny. She's a couple years younger than our other two guys, but she makes up for it by clearly being the one in charge in all social situations. She's the mouthpiece. A uh, fun fact, Carlos used to be Layla's babysitter. He tries to use that as leverage. Does not work. Not, not, not on Layla's watch. And then let's round off this fucking cast of studs with fucking... <laughs> Timothy Chalamet. Yeah. Oh my God. He plays Nick Miller. The First of all, Tim Chalamet, you gorgeous monster. I hate how much I love you. He is an adorable uh, geek. He's such a geek that he's the modern day geek. It's not over the top. It's not done for laughs. Just who he is. He's also kind of gothy. Not a cartoon version of, of Gothi loves black. Maybe a couple of his nails have paint on it because I feel like Tim Chalamet would dig that. Got to get this kid a Bad Mary record. Exactly. He's a little <laughs> scattered. That's his favorite band. This post is everywhere. He's their tutor turned friend. So he's a little bit older than them. His, he's like scatterbrained because his brain is almost overclocked. He's not a genius. He's just smart. Yeah. And it's his brain's kind of always working. Think classic Egon meets like John Mulaney. Like yeah. there's a lot okay. of like nervous fidgety energy. I'm going to do my best not to kill our runtime. Uh, so I'm going to give, <laughs> I'm going to give the beats now. So the kids, they're talking about Ghostbusters. They're not by any stretch obsessed with them, but clearly, you know, Tim Chalamet being a goth and all, you know, he's a ghost fan. He's a fan of the idea of ghosts. They start talking about the old Ghostbusters building that's abandoned. They swear it's abandoned. No way. It must be a museum, right? Like, no, for real. They have that new amazing, that that new amazing like fortress type base. Like that, that's their new base. The old, why would they keep playing rent there? And it, it very quickly goes from what's supposed to be a tutor session that these kids are just not participating in. To like, let's go, let's go, please, let's go. Can we please go? Let's go. Are we going to go? We're getting in your car. We're in your car. We're in your car. Uh, he drives like a, a Honda CRV that his mom gave him. Again, maybe there's some cute little like skulls in it or something. Not too much on the nose. The firehouse guys, I'm sorry. I'm going to break your heart early. It is goddamn trashed. There is scaffolding around it. It has that fence around it. There's like trash and newspapers. There's a huge sign attached to the fence 
that's clearly a couple years old already. Uh, it invites passerbys to visit the new Ghostbuster headquarters over at 782 8th Avenue, the real-life home of uh, Engine 54, one of New York's biggest firehouses. So the new firehouse is like this massive, impressive thing. The kids sneak inside, and while the outside is trashed, the inside's just kind of messy right? Like something's going on there. No one's living there, but they could, like, if you cleaned up, they could. There's posters and pins for something about the mayor. There's discarded Twinkie boxes and, and wrappers. <laughs> There's like a stack of playbills well just on the old receptionist desk. <laughs> just what, you know, what is all this the kind of garbage left everywhere? The kids go down into the basement. Now, if you guys remember from the first film or from the cartoon, the containment units in the basement, but you know those string lights that hang at restaurants? Yeah, sure. Yeah. There's dozens and dozens of ghost traps hanging okay. from the ceiling with wires going into the containment unit. And there's buzzing and there's crackling. The red lights kind of very faintly flashing. Dude, it is this is creepy. This is like a horror movie vibe down in this basement. They're like, let's get let's get out of here. Let, what's going one of the kids bumps into the trap, turns around to like, you know, when you get startled, grabs the trap, slips, pulls the wire down, snaps the wire out of the containment grid. We start to see like smoke billowing out, like creepy ass, pinkish, purplish smoke. The kids are freaking out. No, 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 let's get out of here. Run up the steps. The kids are kind of tripping over each other. Layla falls down. Carlos goes to pick her up. She is, she is a, a, a young black actress, but she is, Snow White, she is frozen in place. The library ghost reaches out, not too unfamiliar from the very first movie. As she reaches out, very her nice. torso splits into three versions of this like scary version of her that looked really kind of like Egon, Ray, and Peter from the first movie, but in horror form, screaming, get her! Whole audience takes a, a sigh of relief as we see them get outside. Oh boy, what the fuck is the tone of this movie, right? So we <laughs> you do tell a, us. We do a time. <laughs> <laughs> we do a time jump. And now I swear these are just bullets. Uh, the kids are now uh, it's it's five or six years later. The kids are older, ages relatively spread, our youngest being 19, 20, our oldest being not quite, not quite third, 25, 26, 27, something like that. We do this time jump. These three are now like real ghost investigators, like the ones we have now. They're using not a fancy PKE meter or a proton pack. They're recording on blank audio cassettes and playing it back. They're like real world paranormal investigators. They have equipment in their kind of base of ap operations. They're still driving around the, the terrible Honda. They have all this experiment doing readings and take, and they're talking about these readings and they are just off the freaking. they're just, they've spiked. They've, they keep getting higher and higher and they can't figure out why. They've yet to even necessarily seen a ghost themselves, but the TV Ghostbusters, America's now number one reality program <laughs> uh, five years later. It's doing really, really well. There's only one team of Ghostbusters and this whole month they're in France shooting because they travel all around the world to find interesting ghosts. The, the kids still go to the firehouse, the new firehouse, to try to find someone and their camera woman and producer, they didn't pay to send her to France. 
She's still there. Meet Kylie. Kylie's, I of course wrote her name down, but then lost it. Kylie's gonna play be played by uh our lovely leading lady from Queen's Gambit. Oh, Anya Taylor-Joy. Yeah. Uh, thank you, yes, Anya yes. Taylor-Joy. She's she's as cool as Anya Taylor-Joy We, we is. have cast her, I think, in every movie we've pitched on this show. Pretty well, much. She, she we, we, have, we have Anya Taylor-Joy taken care of for the rest of her life if, she, if they just do How About This podcast pitches. I think, I think she's going to be very expensive very soon. That's, yeah. all, right. That's all right. She's worth it. I've, I've, she's she's worth it. So they pretty much pull her into the story. She's been working with this group of ghostbusters for like a decade this start she was an intern when she started now she's like the main director and whatnot so she is like well i i don't i don't know this stuff beyond the guys haven't said anything turns out these ghostbusters have only been catching like class two and lower the entire time they've taken over the ghostbusters mantle kylie's the one that starts talking about the og ghostbusters that haven't ghostbusted in forever but they have to know something we'll take these readings let's take readings from our new headquarters oh my god you're right this is this is this is leading to a cataclysm also by the way guys this is two movies i don't know (laughs) this is gonna be two i need two but again she like kind of takes some equipment that she thinks will help they go to see one of the, the the most prestigious of the og ghostbusters the mayor of New York, Winston Zedmore. Uh, <laughs> wow, he, he's mayor. He, he loves God that bless town. Him, you know, he, he really, he does love that town. That was his slogan when he ran. Those were some of the posters we kind of saw in the firehouse. Uh, there's a big problem though. He hired an assistant he could trust, but didn't necessarily like. Walter Peck is not letting these kids, oh a bunch God. of fanboys and girls. Oh, absolutely. He's old as hell and an assistant, but he's doing <laughs> it. He's not letting you crazy kids see it. Yeah, I'll take a message, crumples it up, throws it away. Uh, there's no way Winston's going to see. What about Peter, guys? Peter, right? They read. Unfortunately, Egon has passed away. Uh, more to follow on that. They go to see Peter. Peter Venkman? Peter Venkman, the actor? <laughs> Peter Venkman luckily is one over this last like 15 years that the Ghostbusters stopped Ghostbusting he got the acting bug big and on top of it guys he's fucking awesome he's like (laughs) Daniel Day-Lewis good he's so naturally charismatic lucky for our gang he is starring on Broadway very very soon it's about a month away the opening in Othello the musical the one oh. man oh, boy. musical that is oh, no. with additional music by Lin Manuel Miranda <laughs> uh, <laughs> luckily because Kylie is in certain circles as far as Hollywood goes she's able to get preview tickets they're able to go backstage and meet him and Peter just he's a nice guy but he he never was the guy he can't read their readings are you are you kidding he he, he's a doctor, kind of, in all of his hey, Peterness. Back off, man. I'm a scientist. Exactly. He's he's the one that kind of fills them in on, on Egon's passing. Egon would have been perfect for this. We even get this beautiful moment where he talks about Egon. You know, he loved his brothers uh, in the ghost busting. Uh, probably Egon more than anyone else. They had a falling out right before he passed, but they patched things up. And I wish I could help you more. I can't. No, who can't help you, Ray, can help you, I think. Here's his address. He, he lives in a farm out on Long Island. We got to go get Ray. Ray, ladies and gentlemen, has just become so obsessed in something. He is now more Doc Brown than Ray Stans. He's <laughs> not. Have you ever seen an interview with, with the man himself in real life? Uh, yeah. It's that if he drank a bunch of caffeine. Like, he is just, <laughs> his mind is just all over the place. He's obsessed with something also ray more than the other ghostbusters he's lost he 
he was so remember the ghost traps in the yeah. basement of the old yeah. firehouse yes i it was so long ago but i i recall somehow i swear i'm almost done <laughs> it's leaking kidding. fucking go as long as you want man you're the show it's it's leaking all those traps are because ghosts are periodically getting out of the containment unit and then the ghost trap will pull them back in it's like a mouse trap Okay. Yeah. Because he can't fix it. He was yeah. always one of the engineers. He didn't design that equipment. Egon is the one that invented it. Ray understood it better than anyone else in the world. Right. Egon knew it inside outwards and backwards and it was in his soul. Ray is the next closest thing. There's something missing. There's something he doesn't understand and he has become obsessed with it. He knows the readings are, are bad, but they're not that bad. It's not a, a cataclysm. He he fixes the traps. He goes, he adds more traps. When more traps need to be, I was just there. He's, he's telling them, no, I, was, I know I was just there. I was, weeks ago, I was there. Months ago, I was there. Finds his book, goes through his journal of all the kind of increased readings. It's been three and a half years since Ray has been to the old firehouse. Does some quick calculations. It's goddamn on soon. They need to head back. Luckily, he's been taking care of one of his prides and joys. We see our classic Ecto-1, fully restored, looking more beautiful than ever. Nice. Not a rust spot, not a peeled logo. This is royalty, this car. It is, it is everything. The old packs are in there. There's been some modifications, some additions he's done, but they're in there. They get in the car as reports start coming on Twitter and on social media. They start seeing reports. <laughs> of the Ghostbusters are overwhelmed. While all this other stuff is going, guys, we have these like almost irredeemable douchebag Ghostbusters. They're leaning into who they are as actors. The reason they accepted this role offer from us was because Vin Diesel gets to play kind of like a douchey, arrogant guy. And we're going to redeem him by the end. None of these characters- That's a stretch, stretch for Vin Diesel, I, I think. I know, it's going to be tough. Um, <laughs> Catherine Heigl is hard to work with and kind of prissy. All of these characters, they're doing the best they can, but they're not scientists. They're, they're just people that were hired because they're charismatic and people like to watch them. Dude, the containment unit is all but splitting. It turns out the containment unit is like a door to the other side. It's not just a storage device. It kind of- takes the ghost and doesn't quite kick them back. It kind of kicks them into like a middle ground. Even in the first movie, Egon was saying it was getting full because of all the ghosts they had to deal with in their wonderful montages, which we're going to have plenty of. <laughs> so we see our, our Ghostbusters struggling and now we have Ray and these new kids trying to fight through, trying to get everything, everything kind of back to normal and figure out what's going on. It gets to a point, again, I'm going to yada yada a lot of this. They need to fight their way back to the firehouse because there must be something he missed. There must be something that this crew hasn't thought of. It turns out as they're kind of all frantically researching, because again, we're doing a comedy. It's not just an action movie. We're doing a comedy. So there's a lot of those moments over Chinese food. As the city's going nuts, like ghosts are showing up a la... The, the first film where it's just like randomly there could be a taxi ghost and there's only so much the new Ghostbusters can do. We see they're doing research. Carlos starts doing research on Egon. Mm. It turns out that Egon comes from a long line of like wizards. Like it's it's the same in the cartoon actually. <laughs> yeah. Where it's yeah. like his, I, I was, yes, his it's great true. ancestors it's true. were, but Egon always was like, get out of here. But famously guys, if you don't understand science, it's kind of like magic, isn't it? Sure. Thor really, taught me they that. Were the, 
They, exactly. They were the first like super genius scientists. And it turns out there's like when he built the containment unit, he read an incantation, not because he thought it was real, because we Egon's a weird guy. He tried to drill himself in the brain. He, he he and it worked. It was the seal needed. And the two and the, and when Gozer came, it weakened that seal. It was never built for the load of ghosts it would have to deal with. That's not what they thought when they met the library ghost. They thought it would be a couple ghosts a year. Now the new Ghostbusters have a new shiny giant containment unit, but this is a problem with the old one. So they fight back and that's where we get everybody back helping out. Winston throws on an old proton pack. Peter, Janine, she's back and rocking a proton pack. Hell yeah. Her husband, Lewis Tully. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah. Now Lewis Melnitz, because he took her last name. <laughs> of course. Her name. <laughs> Ghostbusters is, is for ladies, too, you Hell sons yeah. of bitches. They need to get there, and there's only one thing to do. The, the incantation, they found it. It does nothing. It's not enough to read an incantation. You need to be from a bloodline like that. None of these random kids are. No one's related to Egon. Egon had a family. They don't know how to read Latin, like they're, they're, they're bone. There's one thing they could do. If crossing the streams worked once, what if you detonate a proton pack inside of the containment unit? You op- you let the crack get big enough that one of us can go in and save the day. At this point, the douchebag Ghostbusters have all but fully redeemed themselves. The OG Ghostbusters are back in action and everyone's excited. The kids, everyone is trying to volunteer. Everyone wants to take that. Ray, in this beautiful, passionate moment of clarity, the first time he doesn't speak at a lightning pace, he gives this beautiful model. This was my purpose. This is what it was for. I've never felt as complete as I did when we were the Ghostbusters. It wasn't fame. It was about it was about doing something. It was about being something. The beautiful moment at Ghostbusters 2, the whole city unified. As this is going down, you hear outside, Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters. They're trying to recreate that magic from Ghostbusters 2 because they don't fucking understand how ghosts work. They, <laughs> The kids even comment to each other like, that's not going to help at all. They're like, uh, you know, the Statue of Liberties outside of the museum. It's read about <laughs> it. It's fucked up. It's they opened a point. It's hard to explain. <laughs> he goes inside. He's going to do what he was destined for. He's going to die a hero. You're going to kill Ray detonates the pack. What We see his soul. Oh, he's in this beautiful and it's not, I'm not doing those weird spires of like bullshit, like in most DC movies and early Marvel films, this energy is kind of going out. Ghosts are coming through these amazing works of art puppet wise. They all kind of have personalities, but they're being released and hundreds and hundreds have flooded out so far. We see him, the other ghostbusters there, they're clearing the way they're making sure no one gets Ray. They're all working together. Ray's you see, like Ray's body is almost like dematerializing. You see his soul is almost like getting pulled over to the other side. As this is happening, you start to see the lights are getting brighter. It's getting swirlier. It, 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 it looks like a fucking oil painting. It's so gorgeous. You, you want to cry. This I can't believe they're going to fucking kill Ray. My eyes are, are, are watering, right? Uh, not they. You are killing Ray, <laughs> sir. You. I'm putting this on you. Yeah, so as you this, this vacuum is happening... We hear a very familiar voice. We hear Harold Raymond using audio footage from his other movies, talking to Ray. We never see him, but we hear him amongst all this. We have a beautiful, like, time slow down moment to really enjoy this beauty. Ray, I'm telling you, life doesn't care about your vision. 
stuff happens and you deal with it. That's the beauty of it all. Ghostbusters, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Ray's body comes through the other side as the pack is detonating. You see his soul almost get pulled back into his body in that like last moment. The detonation happens. You see still ghosts are coming out. It doesn't suck him back in because fucking it's a ghost. It's not magic, silly. The fucking firehouse is starting to crumble in on itself. Everyone gets out. We see the fucking firehouse is now completely collapsed in on itself. The sign is broken on the ground, but Ray's with them. Fucking Egon, the spirit and soul and everything that was Egon saves Ray because there is more fucking work to do. And most of that speech was stolen from Knocked Up. literally it's like 80 percent is that you just stole that shit and changed the the kind of tempo a little bit so he sounded a little more youthful ray looks behind him everything's destroyed all of our ghostbuster family is together ray talking to egon who's not there portals destroyed that would have worked if you didn't stop me (laughs) call back (laughs) to the first ghostbusters and ladies and gentlemen that ends my two movie pitch. Oh, I love hell it. Yeah. Yeah. That's well done. Amazing. Well Charlie. done, dude. So love, good. Love, we also love. have the room for more movies because yes. those ghosts, there's now an ex a thousand ghosts have been released. Yeah. You can get so a Netflix series out of that. We can return to this franchise whenever you boys want. I'd watch it. That's Charlie, a, well, well done. So well done. I, I, I particularly want to pay really close attention to that you, you kind of had like multiple iterations of the team in the same movie mm-hmm. which kind of like validated every kind of fan you had like the new sexy extreme version you had the stranger thing kids version and you had the original ghostbusters too so it was like we, we it was kind of like all all the dream pitches came together into one and of course you honored the legacy of the originals which was you know bringing bringing egon in there bringing ray back as the heart of the ghostbusters yeah so many nice touches there and and really resolves a lot of questions that we all have as fans of just being like what the fuck happens with the containment unit what the fuck happens with any of this that was that was awesome man really great my, my biggest problem is i have no idea where to split the two movies in like any well, sort also, of I want, satisfying I want, way i want the one movie in paris as well yes. i want the other team and what they were doing there against like the fucking mime ghost or something <laughs> like that well that's the other really fun thing <laughs> like as far as like the creature design yeah we 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 are going very close to real ghostbusters because when you look at the scolari brothers yeah, they could have been on the brothers. cartoon. Uh, I, I want all the ghosts to have that that energy, and and I'll it. never forget in the cartoon they like fought the the headless horseman. Yeah, yeah. But he was like on a motorcycle with like his helmet would be on fire. That's the sort of like character design we're working with. Speaking yeah. of the Scalieri brothers, that judge Harris Eulen, that actor is still alive. I think we need to find a cameo for that guy. Please, dude. Everyone's in this movie. <laughs> And most of them are playing the same character. I love it. Perfect. I love I, it. Well, dude. I love you brought back fucking Peck. Dickless yeah, himself yeah. is like the deputy mayor, which is perfect. And Winston and, and, needs to be and, mayor. And at some point, Peck is getting covered in something else. Oh, be it slime. Because <laughs> like, I wrote a million little liner notes for myself. So like Kevin Hart's character doesn't wind up slimed a lot. He actively tries to get slimed all the time. That's like That's his thing. Like, yeah, he's like riding in the car. He's riding lines that would that be is- like funny. They're all, and I do truly believe I can redeem all four. Because even Chris Pratt. Yeah who I love. He's kind of like not a crazy religious zealot, but it's enough that it's like turned some people off. So I want to bring him back to like, go from that 
we can bring back that Parks and Rec love, I think. Yeah, I think you need to do a little doofusy side of Chris of Chris Pratt as opposed to like leading leading man Chris Pratt. Like we need a little Andy Dwyer. And, exactly. Uh, a little less Star Lord. I think I think we could all benefit from a little bit more Andy Dwyer in our lives. But I love that pitch, Charlie. I think that was beautiful. I think it was a really nice way to send it off. So many. Uh, I, I thought so much good imagery too. I, yeah. I particularly have the image of the leaky containment unit. Yeah. And the ceiling full of hanging traps in my mind. I think that is so cool and then you have like this yeah scooby-doo-ish moments of those kids going down to <laughs> yeah. the basement and kind of fucking shit up or or discovering the fucked up shit it was really good charlie there was there was really just cool. the way you describe things and, and again part of the reason we wanted you on the show is just you have such enormous passion for for these ideas that you put out there it's just really cool to see what you would do with the property you clearly clearly love yes. so it's awesome I love it, dude. Really, really great stuff. So, all right. So we got some more pitches. Uh, Jordan, do you want me to go? Or do you want to go? Well, it doesn't really matter for us. We are sort of the side dishes. Charlie was the main course. We are just like a little after dinner drink and dessert to Charlie's ideas. This yes, is just I like, think so. Ah, if I ran the zoo, I might try to do something like this. I don't have fucking liner notes. I got nothing <laughs> like that shit. Fuck that. Okay. So let me see what I could give you then, if you don't mind. It. All right. So how about this? Charlie gave us obviously a lovely, a lovely take on Ghostbusters. And I think he and I have some of the similar, similar ideas with some of these older Ghostbusters characters. My movie is called The New Ghostbusters. And like I said before, it's going to be something that taps into the legacy of Ghostbusters and the fact that the original Ghostbusters were so important. And in my version of this movie, Peter Venkman, kind of like how in your movie, he's kind of distance himself from it he's kind of left it he might have had a falling out with the guys it makes the most sense for the character to kind of get into his own celebrity i think it's probably with him i in my version it might be something more the lines of like he ran the ghostbusters for a while he made a lot of money off of it based on like franchising rights and stuff like that when things started to slow down he was just like you know i'm kind of done with it in my movie as well egon spengler has passed away he has passed away. Uh, I want to honor Harold Ramis's life with giving and honoring him and not bringing back someone else to play him or doing any CGI stuff like that. Unless he's in ghost form, I think that's perfectly fine. So he has also passed away. And Ray is kind of kind of the guy trying to keep it together. I think because he was always the heart of the Ghostbusters, you kind of have a sad, somewhat broken Ray. But the, my movie kicks off with something akin to the library scene in the original movie. Instead of it being the New York Public Library, you see a young boy. I mean, this, this is shot probably maybe the 60s or the 70s it it has a year on it in the 60s or 70s and you see a boy in a school library and you see similar to the new york public library books are flying and stuff and he gets freaked out and he looks up and you don't see the ghost but you see him chased down a hallway and you see him looking over his shoulder terrified and he trips and falls and looks up and he sees this ghost does screams in his face and then we cut to a ted talk style stage and this was a video being shown to at like a like like a, a trade show. And in a very Elon Musk role, we have one of our favorite actors, Nicolas Cage, playing a man by the name of James Spector. And James Spector. Tracks, yeah. Exactly. James Spector, <laughs> the owner and CEO of Anti-Ghost Industries. And what he has done, he is, we find out that he was the little boy in the video. And that was a recreation of what he experienced as a child that made him terrified of ghosts. And he talks a little bit about the Ghostbusters and how the Ghostbusters never got rid of the ghosts. They kind of just handled the problems and put a Band-Aid on it. And his industry with anti-ghosts is what he calls it, (laughs) has been technology that people have been able to use 
to weaken, suppress, and stop ghosts from even entering our reality. And because it's the technological age, there are like little plugs that you can plug into your wall and apps on your phone that send out these frequencies that keep the ghosts away and keep them at bay. And this has become a major issue for the Ghostbusters. And during this TED Talk, you see someone then flip a laptop down and we cut to a Los Angeles cafe and maybe not flip the laptop down, but she clicks close the, the browser tab and clicks open an email. And in the email was just an email sent to her that she has just lost her job. And she was working for a talent agency, working with web influencers is kind of like a talent agency. Her biggest client was a guy who does a kind of like a ghost hunting online influencer web show played by Donald Glover. And he is someone who is- Donald Glover. I love oh, Donald baby. Glover. And he is like almost like a like like kind of like a ghost hunter type thing. A little wackiness from Troy, uh, from the Troy character that we get from Community. A little of the too cool Donald Glover that we've we've grown to love. Um, the little a little Lando, a little Troy. We see her flip. We see this woman flip the laptop closed, and then it's Emma Stone. Emma Stone, whose name is Jenny Spengler. She is Egon's ah. only daughter. Who. We find out through the movie that she has moved to Los Angeles. She had nothing. She wanted nothing to do with the whole Ghostbusters thing. She thought it was a big whatever. And the Ghostbusters clearly have not really been able to do much work anymore because this kind of anti-ghost with its ghost breaking technology has kind of put them out of business to a degree. And the, and we find out that now that she's lost her job, she kind of has nowhere to go in Los Angeles. She decides to move home and she moves back to New York and she's got no contacts here. So who can she reach out to? The only person she knows left that's in New York, and that's Ray. She reaches out to Ray and says, I need a place to stay, blah, blah, blah. He goes, you could stay at the firehouse. I'm still working here. We're still trying to get this done. She goes to the firehouse, and it's kind of like you said, it's a little a bit of a mess. It's not falling apart, but it's a little bit of a mess. And he goes, listen, you could stay here as much as you want, as long as you want, but you have to work. So the Ghostbusters have changed a bit. There's no longer proton packs because there's been some sort of legislation that has been put into place that's saying <laughs> you can't carry nuclear reactors on your back. Yeah, probably good idea. And Nicolas Cage's character keeps popping up here and there. It's kind of like saying like, listen, all this technology is dangerous. It hurts people. We've seen the destruction that the Ghostbusters have caused by using this technology without licenses. We've seen what they've done to New York. We've seen all these things. So the Ghostbusters, unfortunately, to keep everything going, Ray has kind of had to swallow his pride and become almost like a, a licensee of this anti-ghost technology. So he and his team now, where he kind of runs it, but he really he does some of the work. They're almost like Verizon IT techs that get sent out to jobs to kind of clean up the ghost problem that people have. They install I these devices, that. they reset yeah. the routers. And That's his really main, genius. And his thank you. And his main tech guy is played by Thomas Middleditch, who is like his kind of like head IT guy. Winston <laughs> Winston Zedmore is still in the picture. He feels bad for Ray, but he's kind of moved on and he's written some books about his experience as a Ghostbuster. And he still hangs around with Ray because he feels bad for him. He, lo he loves the guy. How can you not love Ray? He's a lovable guy. He's still excited here and there, but he Ray's kind of sad. And we get this thing early on in the movie where Emma Stone's like, all right, her character Jenny's like, all right, I'll work with you, whatever. In, in that very kind of passive, like dismissive Emma Stone kind of personality. And Ray keeps, Ray brings up to me, goes, listen, you can stay here and also just to let you know your dad left you left you some stuff in a trunk so please if you if you have the time 
be sure to open it. And every now and again, you get moments where she's like looking at an old picture of she and her dad and she's got like a little jumpsuit on and she's got a little fake proton pack like we did when we were kids. There are real legitimate funny moments pretty much when like Thomas Middleditch and Emma Stone have to like interact with regular people. And in this world, there are people who don't believe that ghosts are real at all, even though we've had 40 years of proof that they exist. There are people that like ghosts too much. There are people that date ghosts. There's a do- ghost date. Of course. Date, of course, right? There's a ghost dating app called Ghost Me that. Uh, oh, God, I love it so, so it's, much. It's all part of this like internet culture. I wanted to modernize it a little bit. And you have another guy who's trying so hard to be a Ghostbuster and be good at this job. He wears the old, he's like one of us. He's our insert in this movie. He's got his own Ghostbusters costume. He made a fake proton pack played by Josh Gad as like the big man baby of the group where he's just like, I just want to be a Ghostbuster. I think they're the coolest. He's so into it. And uh, the receptionist here at, for Ghostbusters, who's kind of just, she answers the phone calls and sends the team out on calls is played by Jenny Slate. And she's just kind of nice. like, eh, whatever, Ghostbusters, whatever you want. So she's there. <laughs> and what ends up happening is that they notice that the PKE readings are getting worse and worse and worse. And they're noticing that while this technology is keeping these ghosts at faith, there's some sort of force that's making them stronger. And what they end up co- uh, figuring out is that there's one point where the go- the house is all equipped with all this stuff. And there's a point in the movie where Thomas Middleditch and Emma Stone and uh, Ray, and even uh, not even Ray, Thomas Middleditch and Emma Stone are working at the house. And there's like a PKE explosion. And this giant, like haggard, big for, not like Stay Puft Marshmallow Man big, but like big for like, like, a, like it's almost like an amalgamation of like a handful of ghosts. And it looks super strange, attacks the house and rip wrecks a lot of stuff and they're trying their hardest to just kind of like keep it at bay with this technology and use these apps and none of it's working and then out of nowhere you you see the big streams come out and you see Winston and Ray just eviscerate this thing (laughs) capture it with an old trap and put it back in the old containment unit and turn it on and it's something like they've never seen before it's like this ghost has gotten incredibly powerful so with Thomas Middleditch's character kind of understanding the technology better they realize and obviously all of this is filmed and put on the internet because it's the internet age they realize that the the technology isn't actually keeping the ghosts out per se it is but it's more making them more aggressive and making them more powerful and it's forcing the energies to combine because they have nowhere to go and then little by little because this starts to get hits on the internet we start seeing more of this stuff all over new york who moves to new york Uh, none of none else than donald glover's character shows up and he's like i want in get me on the team so the ghostbusters are are starting to reform here and and we get to a point where they find out that all of this, all of this power, all of this stuff is going to one central location. So they have to talk to P- PSL, uh, whatever, PSEG or whatever, whatever group or whatever <laughs> to try to figure out what's Con going Edison, on. With all- right, exactly. Yeah. Con Ed. They need to talk to this and figure out where all this power is going to. And they find out that it's going to the plant house and the headquarters in the building where Anti-Ghost is. So they need to try to get some injunction. They go up the chain. They go to the, the, the go. They go all the way up to the mayor who's played by our favorite Michael Keaton. Oh, Uh, (laughs) now it's the greatest movie ever. And now they find out that all of this energy is actually being absorbed by this company and used. And Nicolas Cage's character is trying to turn himself into a god, right? (laughs) By using all this PKE power. So he is a god. He is a god. Exactly. So the Ghostbusters, then all as always, all hell will break loose. All the ghosts are out in the city. Ghosts are everywhere. They're violent. They're destroying everything. Emma Stone says, okay, it's finally time to open up the case. She opens up the case and what's in it? 
Egon's proton pack. Yay! I'm so excited. And <laughs> and a jumpsuit that was made specifically for her that fits perfectly. She looks great. The rest of the guys get their jumpsuits on. They all have new jumpsuits. Ray and Winston also kind of put on their jumpsuits. And Ray goes, all right, guys, just like in your movie, lo and behold, let's dust her off. They pull off the sheet and there's the Ecto-1. And we have a double fight here, almost like, you know, like a, like a Star Wars or a Marvel movie where they're fighting this giant amalgamation of ghosts. But ultimately, the real fight is between the Ghostbusters and this Nicolas Cage character who's been all powerful. So they do what they can through all their technology and all their gadgets and all the old stuff that works. They vanquish this ghost. They capture it. They destroy Nicolas Cage. He's defamed. Anti-Ghost is completely put out of business because they realize it really wasn't working at all and everything's good. We jump cut. Once we, once we save the day, we get an I love this town moment from probably Josh Gad at this point. I think <laughs> we need to get- sound like? I love, I, I love this town. town. <laughs> exactly. We get an I love this town moment. Everyone gets slimed. It's great. <laughs> And then we cut. I love what we think Josh Gad yeah, sounds I know. like. Which is, I hope Josh Gad never hears this. <laughs> he won't, and I'm glad. I'm good. I'm glad. So he, so everyone gets. You're slimed. Gad. I'm Gad. Hey. <laughs> so no. then what ends? What ends up happening is <laughs> Ghostbusters starts to take off again, and we see other franchises. I don't. I don't want to give. I want to have a bunch of cameo scenes, like at the end of the movie of the new, a new Ghostbusters teams. I want to see the Eddie Murphy and. Jim Carrey Ghostbusters somewhere. Yes, I want to see the Canadian Ghostbusters with like Ryan Reynolds and and uh, Jonah Hill and those guys. I want to see the Paul Rudd, Seth Rogen Ghostbusters. I want to see the UK Ghostbusters with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost and those guys. I want to see like the, the brand start to take off again. And then the last scene of the film to leave it open for a sequel because we like money. The phone rings. Jenny Slate picks up the phone. She's like, oh, hello, Ghostbusters, blah, blah, blah. And she goes, oh, yeah, sure. Come on in. We're open. Hangs up the phone and you see Emma Stone looks to the door and she goes, hi, welcome to Ghostbusters. Can I help you? And who walks in? Bill Murray as Peter Venkman and goes, well, I hear you have a ghost problem. Love and that's, it. And that's my movie. Love it. I and love it's called it. The New Ghostbusters. I want to pay homage to the legacy. I want to have fun with it. And I want to have some, I want my Ghostbusters in this movie, obviously, to be in their mid 30s, mid to late 30s, maybe early 40s, to give them a little bit of wear and tear, but enough to do it and also have some of the old guys back. I, the thing I love most about, uh, one, about this show, I'll, I'll compliment <laughs> you guys. When something is fantasized about with parts that people love, franchises people love, characters people love, there is that moment of hearing that. I was able to visualize like an entire movie that I I would say the like kind of cornball thing of like, I really want to see that. I kind of did just see it <laughs> in my brain and it was fucking wonderful. The only thing I kind of want, and I don't know if it makes sense, is I kind of want when Josh Cad goes like, I love this town and slime comes off his hands. <laughs> I kind of want him to like slowly turn to Winston and be like, do you remember when you said that? <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> obviously. Just because how great with that, just and just the disapproval on Winston's face. And also, like, I will add this as a last minute thing, because it's Josh Gad, he will fight a snowman ghost. <laughs> oh, yeah, you, that's an auto-include, I think. Auto-include. The joke yeah. is too good too good to remit. <laughs> yeah, no, Edley, I needed that. I need that jo Josh Gad fighting a snowman. For the I trailer, but not in the film, he will say, I hate snowmen. Yes, of course. It I, won't be in the movie. 
Yeah. I no. refuse to allow it in the no, film. No. But for the trailer where we use B takes. I need to, to just thank you so much for including so many actors that I enjoy, specifically Nicolas Cage and Michael Keaton. Like, <laughs> uh, you could have sold me anything with those two actors. Listen, I'm man. Like, listen, all the Ghostbusters are fucking dead. There's no ghosts in this movie. It's a buddy cop film starring Nicolas Cage and Michael Keaton. That's it. I would have bought it. I would have watched it. And and I just think Nic- Nicolas Cage is a big, crazy, like Elon Musk tech ghost killer maniac is just everything I want out of a movie. Oh, yeah. can... With his with his new wig from Dirty yeah. Words or whatever yeah, on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. love it. It's excellent. He got a new Pulse. wig. He got a new beard wig, too. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's just his hairline just face. is ever moving. <laughs> it's great. Um, he went through face-off surgery to get a new Nicolas Cage face. The other thing is, and I don't mean to heard a future episode you super justified the third act of batman forever like your third act has real batman forever vibes only it makes sense and ignores jim carrey yeah so it's two of my favorite flavors <laughs> so jordan what where where are you at with the ghostbusters my friend my my pitch is gonna be much shorter and again it's not as detailed as as the ones you guys just pitched you guys had some some beautiful pitches my film is more a movie that is set in the world of the ghostbusters than it is a direct sequel and i think there's actually a lot of potential with that and i i actually kind of think that's where afterlife is heading yeah just to kind of bring it back to where we started the podcast today and kind of speculating a little bit about what may happen with future iterations of Ghostbusters. Afterlife seems like it's, you know, it's taking the trappings and the artifacts from Ghostbusters and saying like, hey, what other stories can we tell with this? And it's not necessarily going to be with the original characters as the mains. So I don't know. I, I definitely had Afterlife in mind when I was writing this pitch. And I think this pitch also borrows heavily from if you enjoy Monster Squad, if you enjoy Are You Afraid of the Dark, if you enjoy Scooby-Doo. I definitely went with more of a family oriented adventure for mine so this is this is where i'm at i don't really have a great title for this movie and but for the benefit of you and for the listeners i want to tell you what the best title i could come up with was which is still please worst title i've ever heard my title sounds like a bad jrpg like (laughs) like like the translation sounds bad this is a movie that would have taken three discs on the original playstation if you were to play it as a as an rpg my my movie is called Jesus, I'm sorry. It's called Ghostbusters Grimoire of the Damned. <laughs> that is actually yeah. Yeah, you hit the it. Best title I could come up with, and it's fucking bad. It's great. It's not a good title. With, with that being said, if you put like Japanese writing and like as if the Japanese title, and then like this is the translation, Jordan, I'm buying that poster. I'll tell you right now, man, I could do it for you. All right, thank you. I'm gonna have to pull it out with the pitch because the title's real bad. But you know what? That's what like fucking producers and and ad people are for. They'll fucking they'll make a great title for me. And I don't have to worry about what I actually put on the front page of the script. Listen, man, it's better than Turn Off the Dark. Not much, though. Actually, Turn Off the Dark, at least people people don't know what a grimoire is, by the way. It's a book. By the way, it's, well, not everyone knows that. Our listeners probably know who that is. But, you know, John Q. Public does not know that it is like a book of spells. They don't, they have no idea. Yeah, grimoire. It's like when something is scary, <laughs> it's the scary of the damned. It. Oh, man. You know what? I'm retitling it on the spot. We're just going to fucking call this movie Tobin's Spirit Guy. All right. Love it. That is such a better title. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Yeah, just... Go for it. You know what? (laughs) Give me me the phrase, man. Let's get past the title. All right, here we go. How about this? Woo! Ghostbusters Tobin's Spirit Guide or some shit. I don't know. All right. 
Here is our setting. The Ghostbusters are not doing well. It has been many years since they have had any fame or, or prominence. Yes, Ghostbusters 2 is canonical. They saved the city. Everybody sang together. The Statue of Liberty moved. It walked across New York Harbor. It was a, a beautiful, unifying moment. But also, there was collateral damage to reckon with from that enormous statue walking through the city and all the havoc that those ghosts wreaked upon Manhattan. And they had to relocate the Statue of Liberty. And also, there were no more ghosts to bust following that for, for many, many years. There was just no other real supernatural activity. And the Ghostbusters were embattled legally for a long time. Even though this sounds like a depressing start, I actually want to say all of these things are very typical for the Ghostbusters. The Ghostbusters usually aren't doing well. They're usually on the wrong side of the law. They're in and out of court. They're wrestling with, you know, kind of like, are we famous? Are we not? Are we real? Are we bullshit? For sure, they have gotten the Statue of Liberty to walk, but you know, just like we can feel in our current climate, even people presented with fact will try to make fiction out of it. So there are, of course, conspiracy groups and people that said, like, they did just a trick. That didn't really happen. That was like when David Copperfield got, you know, the, the, the whole statue to disappear in the first place. They just did something else, you know, that, that whole kind of thing. They are not like celebrated people in, in really any way with sort of one exception. So we are now about 30 years beyond the events of Ghostbusters 2, which I think tracks right for us now. Yep, We're about yep. 30 years on from that film, right? 1990, right? Was that, yeah, was uh, that I think it was 89, but yeah. 89. Okay, yeah, so close enough. Close enough. So we're 30 years on. The most famous one who's like doing the best, as in your pitches, is Vankman. Vankman is basically like a B-rated game show host. Like he's still like a television personality. <laughs> he's not doing the one-man Othello musical, you know, but he's he's around. And I think, you know, in sort of my opening montage, you'll see a clip of him doing like the game show version of World of the Psychic. Or even like, I've always wanted like a Ghostbusters like game show where like contestants have to like, bust the ghost but they're like running through a fucking ball pit and shit you know i just like, had visions of like what was dare yeah double dare yeah so like double dare and then like yeah of course they fucking slime you with the ecto slime and like yeah he's basically like that is what he does he's mark summers yes uh, exactly for winston winston is in charge of like the ghostbusters like franchising and licensing but as a callback mostly they do like birthday parties and things <laughs> so like he is dispatched like yeah you're going to this kid's party this is what you have to do but like he runs those events and there are ghostbusters super fans much like Charlie, who like have like Ghostbusters style events and like it's become a career for him. And that's like what he does. He's like the wheeling dealing Ghostbusters guy. He's selling the brand. Egon, of course, has passed on legitimate scientist of the group. And there are mysterious circumstances surrounding his death. Like they, they don't know how Egon died. Uh, it, it was sort of very mysterious. And we're, we're just going to kind of park that for a second. And Ray, again, just just picking up the natural you know order of events ray still runs ray's occult books in in lower manhattan that is still a thing in this movie of course the book the bookshop is going to be important for a, a plot that revolves around the grimoire of the damned right so this is where i'm going with that so the villain i'm bringing in for this movie i can't believe what i've done i can't believe i've done this but i was thinking like <laughs> all right 80s special effects comedies i want to do some crossover here I, I want those actors back i want that feel this is a deep cut guys i i don't know if you two or any of my listeners i don't know who's gonna get this shit all right my villain for this movie is is Jonas Nightingale. Jonas Nightingale is Steve Martin's preacher character from Leap of Faith. He is like a big top revival preacher that cons people out of their money. 
Now, at the end of Leap of Faith, which, by the way, is the movie with Steve Martin in the shiny jacket. Yep. They made a horrible Broadway musical out of it that we will not speak about with Raul Esparza. He, he like, you know, goes around conning people out of their money and like whatever. He actually has a change of heart at the end of that film. And he realizes that he, he shouldn't be duping people. But fuck it. I need I need that part erased. All right. He's changed back. He's a bad guy again. Here's why. Part of the science of the Ghostbusters has been released to the general public. And you find out, much like with, with the pitches that you guys put out there, that the containment unit does not actually allow these spirits to pass over into any kind of afterlife. They go to neither heaven nor hell. They are stuck in kind of like a purgatorial ruin that according to Jonas Nightingale is away from the sight of God, right? It is this totally unholy thing. So I'll set up more of the plot in a moment, but I want to just kind of get to the conflict here. The conflict is that Jonas Nightingale for years has been pushing the narrative that the Ghostbusters and what they did in the past was unethical because they essentially took these tormented spirits and said, hey, they, they cannot pass on to anywhere, right? They are, they are trapped in that containment unit and, and they, they can't move on from this world. And he's been one of these like folks that have been kind of like muckraking against the Ghostbusters for years. And we'll, again, we'll see him in the montage. All right, let's get to the plot of the film. Ray runs Ray's occult bookstore. We see him check in with Winston early in the film. He comes in, he drops by, they have a coffee, they have a cigarette. Yes, they still fucking smoke. And they have a chat about like the state of things. And we hear basically all the stuff that I've just said, recaptured for the uh, benefit of the audience. As promised, and similar to, to your film, Charlie, I've gone with kid characters for the movie. I'm not going to fully flesh each one of them out, but they'll hit some demographic areas that I like. You know, I want kids that authentically live in the city, which means I want kids mostly of color. I will put in like, yeah, there could be one. I, I would love like a like a streetwise, like Jewish kid. Like I, I like that. I always like those characters. They're fun too. But I, I want a black character. I want, you know, a Latinx character. I want, you know, those folks in the movie representing the city of New York. The landscape needs to be authentic. And also these are urban films, which is like my one gripe about Ghostbusters Afterlife, which seems to have taken like, like the series to the farm, but it's okay. And these kids, they are also fascinated with the Ghostbusters and they hang out in Ray's occult bookstore. All right, so let's fast forward through blah, 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 the plot, all the uninteresting stuff, etc. okay? <laughs> there has been a steady escalation of supernatural activity in the Manhattan area, but this escalation has been occurring for 30 years. So while there's been no big activity, like, you know, Vigo the Carpathian and Zul have not returned to like take over the world, there's been little pop-ups of stuff here and there. But unfortunately, it's mostly stuff that like, amateurs can handle. Other people have figured out how to bust ghosts. So the Ghostbusters couldn't really make it their own little cottage industry anymore. So it's it's been handled. Ray's been tracking it. Egon was tracking it prior to his death and disappearance, but it's not it's not a business for them anymore. But anyway, it's been getting much worse. And this guy, Jonas Nightingale, again, he's been he's been really after it. So the old firehouse, which I, I don't think in, in my mind was like a, a desolate ruin or anything like that. I think it's still what it was. I think it's it's actually kind of preserved as like a historical side or something, they have kind of turned into a, a Ghostbusters museum, which is just, again, something that Winston runs as one of the properties, probably for the Ghostbusters superfans. They like, look, here's where Venkman's desk was. And, you know, and here's where the pole is. You can ride down the pole for a dollar or whatever you want. <laughs> you know, here, come take a look at the containment unit. So fucking Jonas Nightingale gets into like a disguise, but it's Steve Martin. So it's hilarious. Right. And he like checks out the containment unit very much in like a the mischief level in this movie should be like a night of the museum flavor. You know, he's like checking out the containment unit or whatever. He ends up busting this thing open, right? So the containment unit breaks, you know, it's it, you know similar to Charlie's device here. It, it is the thing you kind of go for, right? Mike, your pitch had a little of this too, right? The containment units are the thing you go for because we all recognize like the science on this was a little wonky. <laughs> yep. Right. So you kind of press that button. You have like an instant movie, right? 
Got to put that toothpaste back in the tube. So he busts it open and then Jonas Nightingale suddenly becomes like this big famous figure like being like, I told you so. And now I am going to be the one who's going to lead these souls and I'm going to I'm going to cross them over. So it's, it's going to be it's going to be him. But Jonas Nightingale realizes like pretty quickly that there are some like truly evil spirits that are in that containment unit and one possesses him pretty quickly and he becomes like i'm the preacher but inside i'm actually this devil that was in the containment unit all right great get to the other side of the plot and with our title here's how this works ray brings up where the children can overhear to winston he says we need to enact the contingency plan, right? The contingency plan is the grimoire of the damned. And Venkman's like, what the hell is that? What are you two got me into now? I'm trying to get this acting career going. You guys are <laughs> killing me. And he talks about how uh, basically Egon put together with, with Ray, they worked together on this. Ray was kind of like the more mystical guy, at least in my version. I know Charlie harkened back wisely to the animated <laughs> series, but I didn't plan that part, okay? But they, they found essentially a spell book where they have basically given a number Number of different guardians, pages of this spell book that once put together will actually seal these spirits back up into the book. However, it will instantly damn the spirits to hell. They don't get to like cross over naturally. They will they will go to hell. Like the, the book will actually just take all these spirits to hell, right? So my excuse for all the cameos in this movie was that they entrusted the pages of this spell book, of which there are like a very specific number of them, to the various characters that we would like to have a cameo in the film, right? So Janine has one. She has divorced Lewis. It's two separate encounters, right? <laughs> uh, so we have to go see each of them in turn. I have the wildest cameo here, guys. This is fucking, this is a deep cut. This is a reach all right two of the pages are entrusted to cat harvey and dr harvey from casper from 1995 casper where ray appears as it's a character he does it's canon it's fucking who, canon who are you gonna call oh, right? someone else someone else yeah. also though who's you you don't tell the ghostbusters that it's like an easy spirit and then it's three full body <laughs> apparitions and yeah. expect it to go well no. yeah. irresponsible Yes. So yeah, stretch and stinky and fat. So they have to like, that's a whole fucking encounter. Okay. So they, they actually do like a little Casper side mission. You know what? This can't even be a movie anymore. It's a fucking series now. Okay. Yay! So look at that. I only needed two films. I need like a Netflix miniseries. Is, right. is, is Christina Ricci in it? Yeah, Cat Harvey is definitely in it. She's also oh, Dr. Yeah, Cat, Cat Harvey. Harvey now. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So, but she's like a psychiatrist or whatever. She's something cool. All right. I bet and, she is. <laughs> and Dr. Harvey has continued his experiments, very important now, on turning ghosts back into living people, right? This was a machine Casper had been working on. He is still trying to perfect this science, right? So that little in from Casper is in like the, the cooking pot of this, this plot. They go around, you know, I, I, I could list the other characters, I guess, but you know, S Slimer would be a character for me. The grown up and very jaded Oscar would be a character for me who I, I kind of want to be played by uh, Thomas Brody Sangster who played the, the other chess champion in the Queen's yes. Gambit. Yes. AKA Jojen Reed from Game of Thrones. Yep. You know what? Fuck it. We'll put Anya Taylor Joy in the movie too. Why not? You know what I mean? Because I, I also had the Egon's daughter plotline in here too. So you know what? Sorry. That's fine. No, it's fine. Is she Egon's daughter? Yeah. So you, you can't get the last page without Egon, but it's Egon's daughter who's like hanging on to it. So now we formed our own little team. The kids are involved too. They're running around. And, you know, the, the final encounter would obviously be against Jonas Nightingale, right? Who is like this horrible ghost form demon. The final fight would involve Dr. Harvey's technology turning him back into a living person, by the way, to just be taken out the old fashioned way. He's going to get shot in the fucking head. Played by Nick Cage. <laughs> Right. It's a family film, by the way. And that's, you know, again, mine was more of an outline. That is really all I wanted I to it. accomplish. But I, I just, love I just, it. I 
just wanted the level of fun. Now, the, the caper part comes in where, like, the kids get to have their own side adventures as they, too, are going after certain pages maybe that other folks have kind of forgotten about. Much like your pitch, uh, Charlie, I have, like, a despondent Ray that really doesn't know what his purpose is in the world. But again, he, he feels this inspiration coming from this younger generation. What I love about all these pitches is I think we're going to get some of the spirit of these pitches in Ghostbusters Afterlife yeah. because we did not talk to each other prior to pitching these films, but they all have kind of like this central core or central message, this idea that being a Ghostbuster means something, right? Yeah. Beyond the function of itself, that there is this, I, I hesitate to say brotherhood. I think I mean fellowship. It could be yeah. anybody, right? Yeah. It's, it's anyone. And anyone can do this thing. And Charlie, you were so right. You said it early in this podcast episode, which was three years ago. Um, <laughs> Pre-COVID, we started. Yeah, you said, and Mike said this too, you know, these are not typically like beautiful living gods that are Ghostbusters. It's like, listen, anybody can hop in that jumpsuit and anybody could be a Ghostbuster. You know, they, they cast those four first guys, kind of schlubby, kind of casual kind of whatever i mean like when your quote-unquote hot leading guy is bill murray you're really expanding the definition of who can be cool who could be the cool handsome guy you could be the lead in your own story that's kind of what these movies tell us so yeah i think i think all of our pitches had that and we have yeah. some really cool ideas across all of them except the fucking title of mine which i will apologize for again so you know what if, if you are listening to this and you have access to our <laughs> comment section just give me a fucking better title for my schlocky film i, I have to it. be honest though that original title would make for a great line. Yeah. Like if Ray says to them, <laughs> the grimoire of the dams, we need the grimoire of the dams. And just everyone just like, God damn it, Ray. Yeah, it's Ray. <laughs> what did you do? What? Why? It just man? popped in there. It just popped oh, in there. I, I forgot something from my plot. I'm sorry. Obviously, <laughs> obviously, Egon is trapped in the containment unit. Obviously. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Do something with that. But I don't want to steal Charlie's thunder on his fucking plot because I cannot I cannot top that beautiful moment that he created. So I'm not going to try. Well, Jordan, I loved it. Thank you. I I I I, I want to hug it. I think I think between the three of us, but we Casper have... Casper crossover. Come yeah, on, do I get some on. points for the Casper it's crossover? Genius. Of course, it's of course. <laughs> and Father Father Guido can show up too. I would love that. Uh, with with these pitches, I think between the three of us, I think we could probably put together a real real slam in Ghostbusters movie. And anywho, these are three amazing pitches, guys. Thank you so much for being on the show, Charlie. Thank you so much for coming on here with your energy and your exuberance, and your brilliance, and everything. You're lovely. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was a delight. Good, and we hope to have you back in the future if you'd like to be here. But if you don't want to be here, then by all, <laughs> by all means... Oh, I'm just, it just yeah. it just might be dangerous. It might be dangerous to be like, oh, we're going to talk about Daredevil. I'll be like, I have a page 28. <laughs> U.S. Comics Company has everything going for us. Is it U.S. Comics Co.? Is it U.S. Comics... Uh, we just call it U.S. Comics, but we are a company. You can find us on all social media. U.S. Comics HQ. That's it. U.S. Comics HQ. Charlie, you got anything else you want to want to pitch here? Long Island Ghostbusters, maybe? Uh, no, I, you can find. Just go through U.S. Comics HQ. All my other stuff shows up there. Uh, Long Island Ghostbusters, all the goofy, fun stuff. Ghost Head Gaming. I got a billion things, but the but the focus is the is the funny books. Uh, U.S. Comics HQ. U.S. Comics HQ, everyone. You heard it here. Jordan, as always, you are the best co-host, any host, or any co-host, because I see us both as co-hosts here, could ask for. So thank you so much, as always, for coming with wonderful ideas and just being the best dude on the planet. Thank you, my friend. 
And thank you, dear sir. You're you're the ghost with the most. That's whoa. And a friendly ghost we all are. So <laughs> the friendliest ghost. Once again, thank you, Charlie Rivera, for being here today. Thank you, Jordan, for being here today. I I'm refuse Mike. to allow you to thank me again. Sorry. <laughs> You're not I'm allowed. I'm sorry. I want two more. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you, Charlie. I've been Mike Staub. This has been How About This. And everyone, just remember, when you need to listen to a podcast that will make you laugh, make you cry, hopefully make you smile, who are you going to call? And thank you for hanging out with us throughout that hour and a half session of How About This, where we talked about Ghostbusters. And boy, did that whole podcast make me feel good. It was such an absolute blast. We love the Ghostbusters, and we hope you enjoyed the discussion as well. This is that point in the podcast where I got to tell you, you got to find us on social media. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash howaboutthispod, and you can find us on Instagram at howaboutthispod. Please reply to our stuff. Make sure to let us know how you feel about things. Let us know if you think some of our ideas are good or if they're terrible. And as always, please, on your podcatcher of your choice, please give us a review. Give us some love. Give us some hate. doesn't matter. Every time you write something or rate us on our app or on any podcast app, it makes our podcast more visible to the folks out there. So once again, for Charlie and Jordan, I've been Mike Staub. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week on How About This.